Welcome to the Lancet Respiratory Medicine Podcast. I'm Aaron Van Dorn. Today on the podcast, I spoke with Dr. Michael Kreuter from the Center for Rare and Interstitial Lung Diseases at the Thorax Clinic at the University Hospital in Heidelberg, Germany. Dr. Kreuter is an author of a comment discussing a series of papers published in The Lancet and The Lancet Respiratory Medicine on interstitial lung disease. Dr. Kreuter, the term interstitial lung disease describes a range of conditions of known or an unknown cause. Can you briefly explain what interstitial lung diseases are and why they pose a substantial health burden for patients and their caregivers? Well, your question very nicely reflects that interstitial lung diseases are a very heterogeneous group of different diseases affecting the lung parenchyma, the interstitium, and the bronchioli and alveoli. So we can group them into four different categories with non-courses, such as underlying systemic diseases or drugs, idiopathic forms such as IPF, granulomatous forms like hypersensitivity pulmonitis and sarcoidosis, and very rare diseases such as LAM. Why does this pose a health burden? Well, beginning with unspecific symptoms and an associated considerable delay in the final diagnosis of our challenging diagnostic and therapeutic approaches, the main burden comes from substantial impairment of quality of life, significant morbidity, and high mortality, especially for the fibrosing ILDs. The phenotype of progressive fibrotic interstitial lung disease has been the focus of attention in recent clinical studies. Who is at risk of developing progressive fibrotic disease, and what is the current prognosis for patients? Already in 2012, a group of experts noticed that there are some forms of fibrosing ILDs who are irreversible and chronic with a progressive disease behavior. This was first noticed for IPF, where almost all patients have a progression over time if untreated. Since then, we have learned more about fibrosing ILDs who have an IPF-like disease behavior, despite current therapy of choice, with progressive lung deterioration, increased extent of fibrosis on HRCT, and deterioration of pulmonary symptoms. These mainly comprise fibrosing CTD ILDs, including rheumatoid arthritis-associated ILD, fibrosing hypersensitivity pneumonitis, fibrosing idiopathic NSIP, and unclassifiable ILD, and others like, for instance, asbestosis-associated ILD. It is about a fourth of these patients, but up to 40 or 50%, for instance, for rheumatoid arthritis ILD or unclassifiable, or some subforms may develop this phenotype. Who is at risk? Many elderly patients, those with an advanced disease at first diagnosis, and some sub-entities like unclassifiable ILD. Furthermore, genetic variants may play a role. Current prognosis is similar to IPF, however, this is still unclear, as data from our German exciting registry, which we demonstrate at the current ERS Congress, indicate that prognosis may be intermediate between IPF and stable fibrosing ILDs. What would you identify as the key advance in understanding or important developments in clinical care over the past decade? Be reminded of a great painting by Paul Gauguin, where do we come from? What are we? Where are we going? Which we discuss in our commentary. Until the end of the 19th century, we didn't know anything. Then we learned something, but we did not know how to treat. And since 2000, and especially since 2010, there are major advances. Progress made in the diagnosis, including improvements of radiology and biopsy, for instance, cryobiopsy, better understanding of the pathophysiology and genetic variants leading to improvements in the therapy. Besides antifibrotic therapies initially developed in IPF, we also have treatments for LAM, treatments for alveolar proteinosis, and so on. The knowledge gain in the last decade was much greater than from 1900 to 2000, meaning within 100 years. 
The three serious papers in The Lancet and The Lancet Respiratory Medicine look at disease pathology and pathogenesis, early diagnosis and approaches to the treatment and management of fibrotic interstitial lung diseases. Could you briefly explain the importance of developments in these areas? With pleasure. As discussed in your last question, we have learned how similar IPF and other diseases can be with regards to pathology and pathogenesis, including genetic drivers, but also that different patterns may have a similar disease behavior, including also acute exacerbations. Furthermore, we are discussing about the importance of early diagnosis and the significance of the detection of early disease. For instance, now we have recommendations to screen every SSC patient for ILD and made great steps forward in classifying interstitial lung abnormalities. Finally, we made great progress in the therapy of different ILDs. Antifibrotic drugs now also in PF ILDs. Interdisciplinary discussions on appropriate therapies in systemic diseases such as rheumatoid arthritis and systemic sclerosis affecting the lungs. Our interdisciplinary management of comorbidities and complications, for instance, reflux or pulmonary hypertension. There, we now have potentially a first drug class with considerable effects for post-striking in Nalagam. This is so important as this progress leads to improved or stabilized quality of life and better survival. In the comment you have written to accompany the series, you and your co-authors asked the question, where are we going? Could you give a brief summary of considerations for the future that you regard as crucial in reducing the burden of interstitial lung disease? <laughs> well, how long can I speak? This may take an hour or so. But seriously, the positive developments in the field of ILDs should motivate us to look ahead. How to prevent the development of ILDs, for instance, in systemic diseases. Earlier identification of ILD in patient at risk. So for instance, in family members, systemic diseases, and better understanding of ILAs. Refinement of diagnostic processes, for instance, thresholds in BIL for lymphocytosis or genetic counseling and constant revision of guidelines considering reclassification of ILDs to realize the potential of personalized medicine, something we as pulmonologists know already, we have it in lung cancer. For this, perhaps we need better genomic classifiers and artificial intelligence. What drives an ILD to become PF ILD so that we can prevent this development? We need better understanding of the role of comorbidities and complications such as pulmonary hypertension as discussed before, or in acute exacerbations of fibrosing ILDs, we need to improve our therapies. Non-pharmacological and pharmacological. My personal vision would be to have some form of test as currently done in lung cancer, telling us the appropriate therapy in this individual patient, meaning tailored medicine. And finally, we need to improve our interdisciplinary and holistic approach. Speaking of that, you emphasize the need for a multidisciplinary holistic approach with joint efforts to improve the management of these diseases. What sort of collaborations or partnerships do you envision for the future? First of all, we need to improve our collaboration with the individual patient and with the patient support groups. We can learn a lot from them, especially with regards to treatment aims, also including the caregiver's needs. Then we need to think more holistically. A patient suffering from a chronic lung disease has more than dyspnea and cuff. This person suffers from fatigue, depression, loneliness, and so on. Therefore, we need to expand our teams by ILD nurses, physiotherapists, psychologists, and so on. And finally, we need to think outside of the lung, meaning interdisciplinary management in systemic diseases. We as pulmonologists are aware of what it means to collaborate interdisciplinary. Be reminded of the tumor boards we have for lung cancer since ages. Still not for ILD boards, but where needed, these should include other specialists, such as rheumatologists. 
Just be reminded, multidisciplinary teams means learning from each other. Interdisciplinary lifelong learning, what greater fun could medicine be? That is what we mean by ILD, quo vadis, vadamicum. Joint efforts of all people involved, multidisciplinary teams, developers of treatments, patient and physician organizations, and great journals such as yours helping us to promote our field. Dr. Kreuter, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Yeah, thank you very much. It was a pleasure speaking to you.